Talking Heads is brought to you by the Seek Geek app, the best way to find a great deal. Pay for your ticket and get to your seat. Download the Seek Geek app and enter our code TALKING for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code TALKING at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. Ronda Rousey lost, so we all lost. Rousey represented something extremely unusual in this mass proliferation of sports. She was still a mystery. How many of those still exist? But she isn't mythical, which is what played to all of our fantasies. She ended up being human. And for all of us, that was what was really hard to believe on Saturday night. And welcome into the latest edition of Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein. Mark Sturt is in Washington. I am not in my basement, Mark. Do you want to know why? Uh, I'm scared to ask why. why well, it's not? not because it's not because I got a job. It's because <laughs> it is 61 degrees outside in New England in the middle of November. So nice. I've decided to do this from my backyard. That is the bigger upset. That's a way bigger upset than Rousey losing the other night. <laughs> that in this portion of the country, it is nice outside. It is sunny and 61. And I figured this will be the last time I'm going to actually get to use my backyard for six months because the cold has to be coming at some point yeah having grown up in new england there weren't a lot of times in, in november <laughs> you're like hey let's go toss the frisbee outside no we'll get frostbite this is miserable it's really unbelievable i, I mean i saw the temperatures too. i think lambeau field was in the 50s on sunday for a packers game in the middle of november in pittsburgh so it's not like we're having el nino circling over connecticut by itself but i will take it and enjoy it this has been by far the most enjoyable fall i hate winter and so this has been astounding that it is not freezing here at this point. So I'll take it. Um, did you watch Ronda Rousey the other night? I, I didn't. And it was sort of the reason why I didn't bother to watch Mike Tyson when he was fighting Buster Douglas. Because you're like, it's going to be seven seconds. I can literally watch that on a Vine when somebody posts it to Twitter after it happens. I'm not going to invest anything in this. This woman is unbeatable. I love her. And she's a machine, and she's going to destroy this person just like she destroyed everybody else. Literally wasn't even, it was barely on my radar as something that I had to watch. See, neither did I. I didn't watch it either. Uh, one of which is my thoughts of a good time on Saturday night do not start with two women trying to dismember one another. Okay, so that, that's just, you know, my biases of this in general. But I recognize, you know, her kind of place in pop culture right now. And I have watched her fights before. And I was with you. I'd never heard of this person she was fighting. Everyone who knows anything about it said she's going to beat her like she beat the other women in like 20 seconds. So I'm not staying up till one in the morning to find out if she actually did that. And I just assumed she would win. And she didn't. And now it's being portrayed as an all-time upset. And I'm going to tell you why it's not. Because none of us know the woman she fought. It's not an all-time upset, okay? Because none of us know who she is. I had never heard of that woman up until the day of the fight. I couldn't tell you what she looked like. I couldn't tell you if she was tall or short or brunette or blonde or what her skill set was. And I'm telling you, anyone who was not in deep with that sport in terms of broadcasting it or reporting on it on a daily basis, even the general public who knows exactly who Ronda Rousey is now had no clue who she was. So how can anyone classify that as an all-time upset if you don't even know the the resume of the person she was fighting yeah it, it's hard and you know and there, for me there was no reason to invest 
any energy in getting to know Rousey's opponent because it's like they're just going to be another eight-second clip that I'm going to watch of somebody getting pulverized, you know? So, yeah, I, I know nothing about MMA. It's not my particularly favorite sport. It's really brutal. The idea of watching women fight each other is distasteful to me on a lot of levels, and I'm not taking anything away from the tremendous athlete that Ronda Rousey is because she is phenomenal, and and there is a star quality about her. And I think we've talked about this that's sort of engaging, and you're like, all right, I, I'm, I'm caught up in everything that's going on with her. But her sport is just so brutal, and, I, you know, so it's like, okay, I'm a Fairweather fan. Rousey's the best. I'm just going to pull for her, but I'm not really going to pay attention to any of this stuff. But but I will say this, Bram, when I saw this, because I woke up on, on Sunday morning, and just like when you when I saw those pictures of Tyson, you know, trying to find his mouth guard, and he was just beat up, and to see his face battered, and you saw Rousey's face battered, you're like, what? That yeah. doesn't seem possible. I'll never forget the Buster Douglas fight, because I was in high school at the time when that happened. And I had told my parents that night that I was going to watch the fight at, because, you know, it's all pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And I was going to someone's house to watch the fight, but I didn't really go to someone's house to watch the fight. We went to some party we shouldn't have been at all night. <laughs> of course. And we just assumed, you know, we assumed because it was Mike Tyson at the height when he was knocking people out in 30 seconds and no one had ever heard of this guy. And the difference between him and Rousey is he had knocked out people you had heard of, you yes. know, like he like, knocked out like Michael Spinks and people like that, like, re- like name people that you were aware of that, you know, had accreditation among the fans of the sport and beyond. The difference here is it's like Rousey. You don't even know who she's fighting. You just assume that she's better than everybody else. But that night, Tyson fought Buster Douglas, and I told my parents I was going to this party to watch the fight, and I didn't, and I went to some party I shouldn't have been at, and I came back the next morning, and, you know, there was no internet. Oh, no. So were your parents like, like, hey, how was the fight? You're like, that Tyson, he's so great. Well, no, it, it was the next day I didn't know, okay, because, like, there is no internet, right. and the newspapers, it was too late to be in a newspaper because the fight didn't happen till midnight, so it beat deadlines. No one knew. You had to have watched television that morning to know that it had happened, so it wasn't like I could look on my phone and find out, and I came home the next day, I came home, and my dad said something to me like, man, that was something else, wasn't it, Okay. <laughs> And I looked at him, and I'm like, uh-huh. I had no idea <laughs> that it had happened. And had I not been smart enough to not say something really stupid at that moment, like, yeah, he probably killed him, you know, like just assuming it, he would have known that I went somewhere I shouldn't have been that night. So, that, oh. like, that is the difference in society now that, like, you'd see it on your phone. Like, there'd be, like, an alert on your phone immediately, like, oh, my God, Mike Tyson lost to some guy no one's ever heard of, you know, when he was, like, 13-0 and heavyweight champion of the world, which is what Rousey was. Like, I was thinking about that because I'm like, I just assumed she was going to kill this woman. Right. You know, like, <laughs> literally kill this woman, and it didn't happen um, the next morning. Here's the other difference, too. Can you name her previous opponents, Rousey? I can't remember them. Can you? I can't remember who she fought. She fought. She beat Meryl Streep. I know that was yeah. one. No, no, I, I honestly I couldn't. Rousey's the only name, probably that I know on either side. Uh, you know, women or men's in MMA. So no, I couldn't even come close to tell you who else she fought. So this is what it is. She she represented one of the last few mysteries in sports to us, 
we went on assumptions about her from what we heard and from what we saw. And if they said that, well, this is the best competition she has and she obliterates them before you can blink, well, then she must be some kind of mythical creature that doesn't really exist in our world. And through that, she became a pop culture icon. I mean, this woman was in the Entourage movie. And it played a prominent role in the Entourage movie. So she had crossed over in a way that very, very few athletes do, especially from a sport that is uh, niche is hard. I think MMA is not niche any longer, but her version of it is niche because she's the only one that has any name power whatsoever. I can name a few and I'm not a big MMA fan either, but I can name a few of the big male fighters in the in the UFC. I can't name another woman in the UFC besides Ronda Rousey, that she has kind of crossed over to a place. So this is a big loss really for their sport. This is a big loss for everybody because while she remains a big name, she's no longer this mythical creature who is unbeatable and might flight might fight Floyd Mayweather at some point in time that we had pinned these kind of unrealistic things about her that apparently is not going to happen anymore. No, you're right. And it, and it definitely takes a hit. And in this, you know, invincible legacies you talk about is shattered forever. But does this make the inevitable rematch? And it might've already been booked, but I, I don't, I don't know that it has, but the rematch between Holm and, and Rousey, doesn't that make it sort of like, a, a massively huge event that people are going to more people would tune in for that than it would have for the thing this past weekend. Oh, well, yeah, the end result is this. Holly Holm is about to become a really rich woman. Yes. Because she didn't make a lot of money for becoming what was supposed to be a punching bag for Ronda Rousey, but she's going to make a lot of money to allow Rousey to have a fight against her again. And if she wins again, if Holm wins again, what does that mean though? What is it like is is she going to be in like like movies? I don't think so. No, because Rousey has that has that it factor, you know? And by the way, there's this conversation. And you never know how it is because we're not on the inside. But was there too many things was going on in her life? The Entourage movie, the, the co-hosting Sports Center, all the different things that she made herself available to. And, and smartly so because she's capitalizing on her moment to make as much money as she can off of that and sort of raise her profile. But did she spread herself too thin for this kind of fight? Or was it yeah. just that this this woman home was just that much better and we didn't know it because we don't know anything about this sport? No, I think it's two people are fighting and like they've trained their whole lives to fight and the other one, because just because we don't know anything about her, doesn't mean that this woman doesn't eat Lot, you know, raw chicken, like chases them and eats them, like, you know, crabs them, you know, who knows what these people do to get trained, ready to do what they do for a living. Right. And that's my point here. Like, we don't know anything about the competition that she's been fighting. We've just taken information and said, Ronda Rousey is pretty good looking, terrific with the media, yep. can act a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And she's dominating people and she has this tremendous background that people took the time to learn about with her mother was a champion judo artist and she was a champion judo artist. And so we took this time to kind of learn about her and she got mythologized very differently than most players in any sport do now. Like this is something from another era when there wasn't so much media out there, when there wasn't the ability to know as much about the people as we do now. Babe Ruth was might as well be some kind of mythical creature that existed in a different time because only a few people had access to him. You actually didn't get to see a lot of him and you didn't know a lot about him. And that's what Ronda Rousey was in this generation. She became someone that no one knew enough about to understand that she's human like everybody else. 
It's been 42 years since the Georgetown Hoyas played the number three Maryland Terrapins in College Park and for two programs of such historical quality and rivalry, for that matter, that reside 11 miles apart. It's amazing it's happened. But the matchup is coming thanks to the inaugural Gavit tip-off games, which pits the Big East against the Big Ten. Also scheduled as part of that series, a doubleheader in Chicago at the United Center. Duke is playing Kentucky. Michigan State is playing Kansas. If you want the fastest, easiest way to find the best deal on your ticket, use the SeatGeek app. Now when you use my code TALKING, you get a check back for 20 bucks. Here's how it works. You download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android. It's free and takes less than a minute to download them. You search for your event, find a great deal, enter our code TALKING, and when you complete your purchase, SeatGeek will send a $20 check to your house. It's that easy. They pull in ticket options from hundreds of sellers online shows you the best deals automatically they rank every available ticket with a deal score and show you on a color-coded map it's easy to read their mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless easy and safe so to redeem your promo code and get your $20 check download the free SeatGeek app today enter promo code talking in the app SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase for Maryland Georgetown and all the other sports and concert tickets use the SeatGeek app and my code talking to get $20 off Mark revealed to me um, earlier today that he's been the PA announcer for a Georgetown game this year. You won't be for the Maryland game, right? You're, but no. You, you have been? Uh, yeah, I've done, I've done it a few times. I was there for the game against Radford, and uh, apparently I'm not a good luck charm because— Was Georgetown sh- lost by, like, 20 or no, something? No, 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 no. They, it was it was a last second. It was double overtime. Radford uh, hit, like, a three-point shot to win it, I think, by one. Or two, or something like that. It was, but it was a lo- it was a despicable loss for the Hoyas. It really was. But so Maryland's going to do crush them, is what is what you're saying. I would be surprised if Maryland did not crush them. And I love the Georgetown Hoyas. Maybe not as much as you love the Terp the Terps, because I know you love the Terps. But yeah, I love the Hoyas. But realistically, they they don't have a shot. They really All right, don't. So, and how was that? Did you put on a whole voice for the PA thing? Did you go like full like that guy from the Pistons that goes like nuts with everything he says? Oh, uh, you have to. I mean, when you're doing that gig, and because listen, we've been in radio for long enough that we like to make fun of the guys in radio that talk like this. Ever, yeah. hey everybody, how are you doing? You know, but and you make fun of that. But then when you're like, wait a minute, I I'm the PA guy. I've got to, you got to go over the top. So yeah, when you're, you know, there's no more fun that you'll have in your day. Essentially, when you're like, and at guard, this sophomore from Marietta County, North Carolina, LJ you know, and it's you know all throughout the Verizon Center. Yeah, but that guy's not even that exciting. That's the thing. You're like screaming this guy's name that averages three points a game. I know. That's the thing. Oh, it's so great. But it really is. It's cool because, you know, there's a big crowd there. It's the home opener. Students are going nuts. And, you know, the music's going. And, it's you know, it's my attempt to... In my mind, I wasn't thinking like the Pistons guy. I was trying to think of the old Chicago Bulls guy. You know, yeah. you know this six foot at six foot seven a guard out of the University of North Carolina, Michael Jordan. You know, and just everybody goes nuts. So you know, you, I, I know how good Maryland is this year, right? I, but I don't know how good Georgetown is. I haven't followed it as closely yeah. as I normally do because I'm from the area. But I will say this: since you had the experience of doing this, you had to keep that energy up even in the face of what was going to be a massive upset to a lower-tier school. How yes. did you do that? Yeah, you just got to, you know, well, once you get past the introductions, everything is pretty much like, hey, fans, you know, uh, 
French fries are great, and you can get those at McDonald's at you know section one nineteen. So I mean, you just say upbeat. But the funny thing was, they they, they <laughs> hey, had... don't worry about that game in front of you. There's the Shake Shack, <laughs> Portal Four. <laughs> well, and you know, do you remember in um and a lot of uh, teams do this on this, but if t- if teams miss like a couple free throws in a row, everybody gets like something free, like free corn dogs or something like that. You know, like uh, uh, semi pro the uh, Will Ferrell movie. Well, this yeah. was happening at the end of the game, and there's this uh, sandwich place around here called Jetties, and it was like, hey, yeah. fans, if they miss two free throws, everyone gets free Jetties. And this guy missed his free throws, but then they lost the Hoyas lost the game, so I couldn't get on and be like, hey, everybody, how about that? You get free sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> That'll drown your sorrows. It's some turkey. <laughs> yeah, so I looked over to the guy who was like my handler, and I was like, Chris, should I read this? He's like, no, no, don't read that. Don't read that. We'll just we'll put it up on the big board, but we won't read it. I'm like, okay. Did you just say you had a handler? Well, there's a guy who's like running the whole thing. There's a script. It's weird. There's like a whole it's script. Scripted. Yeah. It's scripted, so you're yes. like, there's like 97 reads that you have from like a half an hour before the game starts all the way through the end of it. And it's and they're like, all right, we're going to do this here. And sometimes they get caught out of order and are like, all right, go to this page. And then you get on a good go on down the court. And, you know, with free throw shooting contests and stuff like that, and be like, all right, I'm here with a lucky fan, Matt. He's a freshman here at Georgetown. Matt, you ready to win some money? You know, that kind of stuff. So, you know. But it was fun. You have an amazing life now. Do you know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> every, time, every week I talk to you, it comes up with some kind of ridiculous thing that you're doing. <laughs> I know. It's really bizarre. And you know what? Actually, uh, this you're like, week- hey, you know what I'm doing this week? It's pretty cool. I'm hosting the Oscars. Right. Yeah. I just thought, hey, you know what? I'm never okay. here, so I should try this. No, yeah, actually. What the hell? You won't be able to come down for this, and I'm sorry for this, but for those that are in the D.C. area, uh, on Thursday, and I'm trying to figure out what this Thursday is, because with a podcast, it's hard to tell you exactly what the date is. Thursday the 19th, I'm going to be doing stand-up at a place in DuPont Circle called The Beer Baron. It's on 22nd and P. So if you'd actually like to see me do some stand-up, I'm going to do about 10 minutes with a buddy of mine named Jared Freed. Um, so it should be fun. So stand up and PA announcing and, and the Oscars. Yeah, just one more thing from me. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> I actually feel for the PA announcer in Denver because Denver was at home oh, God. when Peyton Manning broke Brett Favre's record and then had the worst game of his career, oh. <laughs> which is really, I mean, that's an astounding juxtaposition to be in, that he just set an all-time record and his career may have ended on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? I mean, well, he only needed like four yards to break the record, right? Yes. And I think and he, he got threw- it like immediately. Right. right. They threw some quick out and got it and got it over with. They got it because the league had announced they were going to stop the game. So they, so I think probably Denver and Kansas City were probably on the same page about, let's get this over with really early and get on with the game here. Right. But he only got like 30 yards more than that for the rest of his time in there. Right? Well, at one point he had five completions and four interceptions. <laughs> That's just... That's Peyton Manning, okay? That's uh, one of the five or ten best quarterbacks ever did that. Yeah. I mean, and and at the end of the game, it's like, hey, congratulations, Peyton. And he's he's like, go F yourself, okay? It was a terrible game. I don't want to hear about it. And now he's got this plantar, and I've always mispronounced it, plantar fasciitis. Whatever, his foot's broken. Right. (laughs) His foot's messed up. up. And and you don't know if he can play, and you don't know what that means for him for the rest of the season and moving forward. I. I, it was a very weird, as you said, a very very weird juxtaposition of this incredible achievement and this just abysmal game and the question marks now surrounding him. 
this is and this is crazy too. So so he's I can't imagine he's playing next week. I mean, based off that performance and now this news about his injury, he's not going to play. And they're in Chicago, and I, I I'm going to assume now because Brock Osweiler is their quarterback. Who could have figured this at the beginning of the season? They're probably going to be an underdog. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I haven't seen the line, but I'm assuming that the Bears at home, based on the way they're playing, they just won two road games, and they've won like four of their last five, that they're going to be a favorite against them. Jay Cutler and the Bears and the ex-Broncos coach is going to be a favorite against them this week. Uh, who would have thunk that? I mean, no. that is just... Uh, it, and that's the way the league goes. I mean, if yeah, I mean, uh, I know I guess, uh, Denver's still got a great defense. And, I mean, a really, really top caliber defense. So maybe I don't know, but still, without Manning, do, do we really think that they can win that game, or that they're going to be favorites? Well, with Manning the way he's going right now, I mean, you know, I don't think they could win it either. I mean, but he, and listen to their schedule. Listen, I wrote this down at Chicago. Then they play New England. That's probably a loss without Manning at San Diego, which. You know, I know San Diego's not having a good year, but it's at San Diego division game. It's Manning's not playing. Who knows? Oakland, who's a lot better, you know, this year than they have been in recent years, at Pittsburgh, who probably be playing for a playoff spot. Then they play the Bengals, who who knows might be undefeated at that point. And then they end with San Diego at home. There are a lot of losses staring down the Broncos right now. They are going to go from. They're probably going to win that division because they have too much of a lead in it right now. But they are staring down. What could be a massive free fall to end this season. And by the way, to answer your question, the early line has Chicago a one-point favorite. I knew it. I mean, they had to be a favorite. If they didn't, <laughs> I was going to bet my house on it and probably lose my house. But I was going to bet my house because I don't know if you've seen. I mean, no one's been paying attention to Chicago because everyone just assumed they're going to stink because uh, Cutler's back and they know they don't want him and they change their coaches and all that stuff. They're actually pretty good all of a sudden. So, uh, you know, they are the epitome of. Uh, Denver going one way and the Bears going the other. The epitome of here we are almost through at the time of taping. We're waiting for Monday Night Football to play, but we're waiting. We're about to find out that we don't really know anything about the NFL. Like that the teams that are going to play in the Super Bowl in about two and a half months. I don't think we have any clue who those teams are going to be. And here we are in week 10. I wouldn't even suggest that there's a favorite in either conference, in particular in the NFC. I don't think there's a favorite to get to the Super Bowl at this point. And if Denver's going to free fall, everyone's just going to assume New England. But guess what? They just lost their best receiver and played without three offensive linemen yesterday. And if some guy for the Giants didn't make what should have been an easy interception and knock himself (laughs) out by falling down on the turf awkwardly, they would have beat New England yesterday. And New England should have lost that game to the Giants. So I I don't think there is one team in the NFL right now that you could go, that's the favorite to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Not one. Well, I think you look at the Redskins' impressive win over the Saints yesterday, and you say they're probably moving into that number one or number two seed. Well, uh, keep laughing. They're they're one game out. They're one game out of winning their division, and they get the Giants at home. And if they beat the Giants at home with the Eagles and the Cowboys and the mess that they're in, they're probably going to win their division. The Redskins, and I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, the Redskins are actually in a really good position. If somehow they could pull an upset over Carolina next week, they would be in prime position to because then they would have yes. all the confidence in the world. And the Giants are a good team, except for about the last four or five minutes of each game. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, how are we going to lose it this time? And the Eagles are just pathetic. And, and the Cowboys, forget about it. Without Romo... They're just 
awful. Even with Romo coming back, it's too late now. It's, they're 2-7. The seven. NFC playoffs The NFC playoffs may have the Redskins as a division winner, the Bears or the Vikings as a division winner, yeah. and then probably Carolina, and then probably Arizona, so not Seattle and not St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, where, where are we? This is incredible that this is happening right now. Yeah, Seattle is a stunner for me. I still can't believe it. I keep expecting them to start winning and just going on a roll. But each week, it's like, oh, no, I guess they're just stuck in neutral. So, no, it, it's bizarre. Even the Bengals, who, you know, as you talk about, as of this taping, are undefeated. I still can't buy into them. But maybe it's just because I'm like, eh, it's Cincinnati, okay? I can't I can't attach myself well, to Well, they've been good for five years running. They get in the playoffs and they the bed. Yeah, so. So who buys into them? Yeah, and like, I mean. Nobody buys into them. A few weeks ago, it was like, oh, Green Bay is, they're, they're awesome. And all of a sudden, they lose to Detroit. They haven't lost to Detroit at home since, like, 92 or something like that. 91. Yeah. 1991. It was 24 years. Yeah. So you got that. And, and you know, again, Denver looked like world beaters a few weeks ago. And now, all of a sudden, they look old. And, you know, without Baton, you're like, what really – what does this team have? You know, you're going to win with who's, – who's the backup quarterback? Orlovsky? <laughs> Osweiler. Osweiler. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> the Bears have won three of their last four, three of their next four at home, and they've beaten Kansas City and Oakland, which didn't look like big deals earlier in the season, but are now yeah, it turns out it when you based yeah. on how those teams have played, and they've won their last two on the road, including in St. Louis. Like who who is everybody? Yeah. Jacksonville just wanted Baltimore. That, well, Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville just wanted Baltimore. Jack, I'm sorry. I've seen Jacksonville because of just TV scheduling up here. I've seen them play three times this year, which oh, is awful. really bad on me that I actually <laughs> spent time watching them play three times this year. But I'm telling you, with, with the exception of just a few teams, they could beat anybody. Anybody. Like, they're not beating New England, and they're probably not beating Seattle or someone like that. But they can't, I'm telling you, they could beat anybody and you would laugh at something like that at the beginning of the year. Yeah. No, that, that to me, well, that was stunning to me. I was like, wow, maybe Jacksonville's a little bit better than I give him credit for. And it, it continues to stun me, the just precipitous fall of the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they can't, they're not going to win any games for the rest of the year. And they're not a bad squad. I know they're banged up. They lost some guys to injury. But that's the kind of team that will get a very high draft pick and all of a sudden turn around next year and be ferocious again. I'll, I'll end on Peyton Manning because I, I wanted to say this about him. Um, and I, I had this conversation with someone a few days ago, actually, before I knew about this particular injury. I, I've actually had this fear that, you know, clearly he can't throw the ball down the field regularly anymore because he has no arm strength because he's had multiple neck surgeries and has permanent nerve damage in his arm. Now he's got this bad foot to go along with it. But just based on that other stuff, I was hopeful that they would pull him out of games only because... I don't want to see an iconic player get taken off on a stretcher, yeah. which is what I feared with him. And I'm just, I'm kind of like, hey, Peyton, time is now, buddy. You know, I like you, you about, you jumped the shark. It's a year too long. It's time for you to go. And uh, of someone who loves the sport as much as I do, the last thing on earth I would ever want to see is, and I told you so catastrophic injury right. to a player that is an all-time great, which is what I feel like I'm covering my eyes watching Denver games because I'm scared to death that that one crazy hit is going to ruin him. Well, in the way that, you know, the way the game is played, you know, I mean, that's at that position, it could happen at any point. And, you know, you don't know necessarily what he's 
Well, I guess you know what he's hanging on for. He's a competitor, and you always feel like you can still get the job done. And I guess he's probably still chasing that that ring number two to sort of you know elevate his career just a little bit more, even though he really doesn't need it. I mean, he's going to go down as arguably you know one of the top three quarterbacks in the history of the game, depending on how you use your metrics for that. Um, but it's just hard. I mean, it's hard. I guess it's hard for those guys. You're the, you're the quarterback. You're Peyton Manning. You know, you look yourself in the eye and you say, "No, I can still get this done." And how hard is it to look at and say, "You know what? I, I'm I, I can't do it." I mean, Willie Mays stumbling in the outfield with the Mets at the end of his career. It's hard for these guys, I think, to sort of admit that Father Time has finally caught up to him. And as for the NFC, I, it is becoming clear that it is distinctly possible that two teams that are 500 or worse are going to make their playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah, two, yeah, not one, <laughs> two. One is probably going to win the NFC East, and the other wild card quite likely could be an 8-8 eight and eight team. That is quite possible to happen this year. Like you said, it's we're week 10 with one game to go, just the Monday night game. Got no idea. Got <laughs> no idea how this is going to play out. And I guess that's what the league wants. They want some measure of parity so that everybody feels like you got a shot to go all the way. All right, so give me the PA announcer for the 8-8 eight and eight team in the playoffs. <laughs> which team? Which team is it? Is it the Panthers? No, is it who whoever is it? you want. Whoever you want. Pick whoever you want. Minnesota Vikings. Do that one. That's your team. Pick them. <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, coming out of the NFC North, the number eight seed of the playoffs from Minnesota, the Vikings. Screw you, Ragnar. <laughs> yeah, I can, have, I can do his job, man. Yeah. And by the way, quick note about the Vikings. Who's leading the NFL in rushing right now? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Adrian Peterson after another 200-yard rushing. Are you kidding me? This guy's a cyborg. It's insane. Yeah. Don't talk about him. <laughs> He's a bad topic. <laughs> If you had that feeling that Adrian Peterson would run roughshod over the Raiders, you might have what it takes to win cash on FanDuel. They have thousands of leagues that cost as little as $1 to enter, and you can cash out the very same night if you win. Now, when you use my code TALKING at FanDuel.com, you get a bonus match of up to $200. FanDuel's the leader in one-week fantasy football. They're paying out over $75 million a week this football season. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and now it's your turn. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code TALKING, and sign up now. Here's that special offer for new users for every dollar you deposit. FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks. It gets earned as you played. That's a bonus of up to $200, and the offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code TALKING today, so don't get left out. In addition to the all-consuming beast of fantasy football, FanDuel also offers daily fantasy baseball, basketball, and hockey. Daily fantasy sports are sweeping the nation. Find out why at FanDuel.com and use our code TALKING. FanDuel.com, where it finally pays to be a fan. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. And as the football season marches on, college players are working hard to move up the draft board while teams like the Cowboys and the 49ers are already thinking about next year. Sports Illustrated has an innovative show called On the Clock where football expert Chris Burke tracks all the top college prospects and the NFL squads in desperate need of new talent. On the Clock with Chris Burke. Search for it on iTunes and Stitcher or visit si.com backslash podcast. Welcome back to Talking Heads. Bram Weinstein outside in New England in the middle of November, Mark Stern is in Washington, D.C. And I will take umbrage with the promo there that the Cowboys are thinking about next year because Tony Romo's coming back and the NFC East stinks and they're only a couple games back of the division lead. So 
not so fast. There's a possibility they could end up like 8-8 eight and eight and get into the playoffs. That would be crazy, but you know what? In that division and this year, anything could happen. Yeah, I think so. All right, I want to talk about the NBA here for a moment. I, I read a story about Derrick Rose. It's never good. You know, it's always... It's always some kind of odd affliction that he has. And um, you'll recall back in the preseason, right towards the end of the preseason, um, he suffered an injury in practice where he broke a, an, an orbital bone. Um, and you, know, you can play with this, apparently, because he has. Um, but he has admitted that he's been playing with blurred vision, and he may have a couple more months of it ahead of him. So he initially, apparently, was playing with one eye closed, but now that he's gotten used to it, <laughs> he keeps both eyes open when he plays. But it, which should come as no surprise to anybody is when he tries three-pointers, which I'm amazed he's attempting considering he can't see the basket. He's one for 18. And the most surprising part of that is one went in. <laughs> right. I'm going to shoot for the, for the bucket in between the two that I'm looking at. Hey, guys, I'm open. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you just can't see the guy standing next to you right now. I just love him. And when you read his quotes about this, Bram, he's like, oh, it's fine. It'll come back. It's like, dude, you're seeing double out there. I know they need you out on the court, but maybe we should wait until you can actually just see normally, and then we'll get you back out. Who needs the guy that can't see on the basketball team? <laughs> yeah, it seems, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's missed so much time that he feels like I can't miss it for any reason whatsoever, short of like I'm missing a leg. But I would think that, you know, both eyes would be a necessity or at least a a great benefit for shooting a basketball in in a professional game. I think that's I think that's what it is. I think he feels pressure to play because of the past, which is. Everyone got mad at him when he said, I'm not going to come back till I'm 100%, which in most cases is okay to hear from somebody, but apparently wasn't from him. And there was all this consternation that he basically wasn't um, committed enough to come back and play when his team needed him the most. So here he is out there playing with one eye. Yeah. <laughs> one eye. How does that help them? Yeah. One for- and why does the team want him to do that? I don't, I don't even understand why they don't say, listen, guys, he can't see. You know, so we've decided he shouldn't handle the ball or run the offense right now. Or shoot or try and defend <laughs> like that. You know, Derek, I tell you what, why don't you take some drink orders and go get something for all the guys on the bench, and that way you can feel like you're a part of things still. It's a bizarrely backward thing to sit there and say, the guy has blurred vision, but he, we want him to play. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's basketball. I mean, like, how in the world could having blurred vision help him in any way? <laughs> it, what, the answer would be it doesn't. It doesn't. It, quite, it, it couldn't help him in any way. I mean, and you, I mean, I guess there's no way for this to get worse for him or screw him up. But you know, I mean, good lord, you're out there, you get blurry vision, and you're. Tr- <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're shooting one from eighteen, and then ah. I don't know. All uh, anything that comes near the basket is all muscle memory. It has nothing to do with him seeing it. Yeah, that's... and like like just just as practice because I because when I read this, I'm like, I'm going to try this. Close one eye and walk around and see if you could like do everything you normally do. You can't. No, you can't. Can bar- you can well, you walk into it. things. You see things the wrong way. You'll miss. Like there's no way you can have accuracy closing one eye. You know, there's there's no way. Not without the use of like a, a sight, like if they put like some rifle guide on his eye, on his glasses or something, maybe he could do that. See now, and there's a difference between like 
playing through something and being like, I can gut it out, you know, whatever. I, I I'll be fine. And and we we celebrate those guys. Yeah, tape you know? it up. Just tape it up. I'll be yeah. Ben Roethlisberger did that. Ben Roethlisberger yeah. had to play on Sunday on what is basically a broken foot. Right. right, like, and he had to play because the back because the backup quarterback came in, got carted off during the game, and he was amazing during it, and he should get celebrated for doing something like that. But Ben Roethlisberger can see; it's not right. like he couldn't see where Antonio Brown was. Right, with Peyton Manning, we just talked about, he can't move because his foot is messed up, and so he can't plant and throw, so he doesn't help his team by being out there, even though he's Peyton Manning. So I, I'd say the same thing that. Derrick Rose, you're not really helping out the Bulls if you're not the Derrick Rose that you can, you know, fully be. I mean, can you imagine during a timeout, they're like, hey, Derrick, you missed that backdoor cut. He's like, what backdoor cut? Yeah, well, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And then the guy's like, will you look at me when I'm talking to you, please? Derrick, will you just look at me? What are you looking at? (laughs) I'm over here. I'm over here. (laughs) I swear to God, there was a guy when I played basketball briefly in high school, and our, our coach taught us when we were playing man-to-man defense, just follow the guy's eyes. And this guy's, I won't say his name, his first name was Phil, right? And Phil was cross-eyed. So I feel oh, like, where, where, the hell, where the hell am I going? That's the greatest guarding? boy ever, the cross-eyed yeah. guy. You don't yeah. know what he's going to do. He could be doing anything. Yeah, I was like, did you know where that was going, Phil? He'd be like, no. So, but yeah, I just, I don't know. If you're Derek Rose, you're like, you know what? I know people are going to hate this, but I need to sit down so I can just see. That would be nice. You know, if I'm the 76ers, I'm sitting there going, they got a guy who can't see running their (laughs) offense and they've won some games. What the f*** is our problem? Well, this team angers me. And now, you know, from our long friendship that I really, really don't like the fans in Philadelphia. I think they're just awful human beings. But I am so outraged on their behalf of this piece of crap product that the 76ers have foisted upon their fan base for yet another season. I've lost track of how many years it's been since Philadelphia has been relevant in the sports world. For basketball. It's been three or four years of full tanking yeah. by them. They, where they've, they've openly said that's basically, well, they, haven't, they can't openly say it, but like clearly that's their plan. They're going to lose a lot to get high draft picks. And this is like year three of that. And uh, all I have to ask them is, exactly when does the plan turn the other way? <laughs> because it seems to somehow be getting worse. <laughs> They're 0-10 at the time of yeah. this taping. Now, granted, their schedule was not fair to them. They lost twice to Cleveland, so that's kind of unfair that early in the season they played them twice. They lost at Oklahoma City. Everyone loses there. They lost at San Antonio. Everyone loses there. They lost at Milwaukee. Most teams are losing there because they're a playoff team now, and they're not bad. And they lost to blind Chicago. They did did lose to them at home. They lost at home to the team with a blind guy. So, I mean, I don't even know how in the world they lost that game now. Their next two are at home, but then they have six straight on the road. So, if they lose the next two at home, they easily could be 0-18. 0-18! 0-18. And your question is so spot on. When exactly is this supposed to turn around? When exactly are we going to benefit from this crap plan of tanking for the last four years? You know, because last time I checked, one of your number one picks is over there drinking a you know, a gallon of uh, what do we call them? Shirley, Shirley Temples. Temples. Yeah, <laughs> Joel Embiid. Temples. Yeah, give him some grenadine. He's like, it ain't a gallon, to... baby. It's a pitcher. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you just can't. 
you you broken the faith with your fan base when you put that product on a, on the on the court. It's despicable what they're doing. Can the PA announcer even try to get the energy up for that team? Is that even possible? And at uh, six five <laughs> out of some college. Joel Embiid. All right, everybody. <laughs> and here's this guy playing forward. Yeah, I mean, like, is he screaming and yelling on the top of his lungs after the 76ers make a basket and cut the, the deficit to 18? <laughs> no. I think no. the PA announcer's probably like, Ugh, okay. Yeah. Um, <sighs> He's right. got to be drunk. I think that would be great. The PA announcer's just wasted, even at the beginning of it. <laughs> he can't Let's... pronounce the names. Like I Duke Jalal Aikafuka. Yeah. Yeah. Aikafuka <laughs> for three. That was for two. What are you talking about? Shut up, Jack. I'm doing Shut my up. thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like Bob Euchre at the end of uh, one of the major league movies. He's like, our sponsor today is, hell, I can't find it. Doesn't matter. Nobody's listening to us anyways. <laughs> I, you know, it is funny. It is. You're right. It's hard to have empathy for Philadelphia fans. It really is. It but in really this is. case, what they've done is atrocious. Uh, I mean, it's, and it's unfair. And if I were the people who follow that team or in that city, I, I think there has to be a mass boycott of their games. Yeah. I, I would. I would tell that. I you got to get one night where the stadium's empty by fan choice. No one shows up to yeah. show the organization. We're not putting up with this anymore. Like, you told us to trust this process. You've had 18 first-round picks in the last five years, and none of them have turned us into a moderately competitive team. So, obviously, you don't know what you're doing, and we're going to stop going until you change the leadership here and change the roster for us. The major power you have as a fan is to tune out, to not go, to tune out, and and that speaks louder than anything because that hits an ownership in its pocketbook, and it'll say, wow, Okay, maybe we need to turn this thing around because we can't have games where nobody's in the state. Can you imagine that? Listen, <laughs> it's in, in an era of salary caps and free agency, no one, no one should be that bad for that long. Nobody. No, you're, you're I get right. it. Like uh, some team has a really bad year because their best player got hurt or something like that. Or they're just, you know, they are rebuilding, but they're rebuilding towards a common goal. And so they won 20 games this year, but next year they're on pace to get it up to 30 or 40. The typical growth process of a team. Nobody should be 9 and 860, okay? Nobody should be that way if they're actually trying. And this team, their plan is ridiculous. And if I was in Philadelphia... I would never go to one of their games, and I would sit there and say, you know what, we're going to be talked about as the model of failure for the next 50 years, thanks to you and your stupid plans. Yeah, I, 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 would, I mean, I, I said it before, I despise the fans of Philadelphia so much, and I've never felt so bad for them. And this is, I mean, you talk about a proud history in that franchise. Dr. J played for this squad. They have an NBA championship in their history. This is a great basketball town, and the product is beyond unwatchable. They're an amazing basketball town. They have so many great college basketball programs. There's so many great college coaches and all these great players that have come through that city. And Dr. J played there, and Charles Barkley played there, and Billy Cunningham played there. It's absurd. Allen Iverson played there. It is ridiculous that they have allowed this to happen. And I feel terrible for Jaleel Okafor because he actually is really good, and that pick is going to be right, but they've done everything so wrong around him. It's absurd and obtuse. And if I were him, if I was his agent, I would be like, we got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. We get the hell out of here because these people – 
are not capable of understanding how to build a team. And we need to get out of here. Yeah. You, say, you know what? I'll play anywhere but here. It's the kind of thing you say, I'll literally play anywhere but Philadelphia. Anywhere. Oh, and 10. They're looking at like another six or seven win season. And if yes. you're if you're fan, why do you even? I mean, if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan, why are you even bothering to check the standings or follow? You'd be like, screw it. I'll tune in three years from now when maybe they're relevant again. You know, this coach Brett Brown, who's who's by all accounts of every person I know, they say not only great guy, really great basketball coach. He has put up with this. He should receive the Medal of Honor. Oh yeah, for putting up with what is going to be for the rest of his life post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> because he worked his whole life to get a position like this and the management failed him to a degree to which there is nothing he can do to stop his team from utterly sucking like no team has sucked before and a head coach for your 76ers uh, he's been here for a while red brown everybody. slappy mcdickerson <laughs> He should have some crazy name. He should have some crazy name. He should just start. He should, you know what? He should just start wearing like pink bow ties to games, and like he should have like a little flower on his coat, and it squirts water at people. Like he should just. He might as well play up to we are clowns. That's what we are, and it's not my fault. But they've made me a clown. You want to see the circus? Here's the circus. I'd love to see him, and just for my own personal amusement, with like a thong on and like body paint, like a lion or something like that. You want to make headlines, you know, you might as well go all in. <laughs> Slappy McSlipperson. Yeah. And <laughs> head coach for your 76ers, Slappy McSlickerson. <laughs> They're the worst. They oh, really man, are. They are the worst. And, uh, this comes from someone who lived with the Washington Wizards franchise. They were <laughs> atrocious for a quarter century, and I'm laughing at them. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we were never that bad. Never, ever, ever that bad. No, no, they're despicably bad, man. It's terrible. All right. Well, on that note, have a great week. <laughs> Go. Uh, I don't know what you're doing this week. It's probably going to be something amazing. Well, uh, I yeah. Are I, you the new GM of the Nationals or something? Is that the other thing I don't know about? No, I'm flying Air Force One. It's going to be neat. They just said, hey, if you want to give it a shot. So, yeah, I'm going to try that on maybe Wednesday night. Well, that's cool. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're done. See you.